0: popular group from Ukraine that's been around quite a while that was Madheads with their contemporary rendition of a traditional Ukrainian folk song Oyupolid Vadubke Dubke, two oak trees in the field Vitaly Fas sichchnovni radio sukachni radio peredachu nash holos radio nashe hokorinya na bahatumovni radio stansi am 1320 chmb imischenkuveri hovorych pavlina W. and welcome to Nash Ukrainian Roots Radio, coming to you here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me. We've got a packed program for you today an interview with Alexandra Keeler of the Kiev Independent and She will be giving us some insights into the organization that is now bringing the news from Ukraine here on Nasholus. And, of course, there will be news from Ukraine, and it will be delivered by our own Olena Skorohod, who will also be bringing you the local upcoming events in the Vancouver area. And we'll be hearing from Vesel Pavlovsky with Cultural Capsule, and he'll be taking a look back at the first Chervona Ruta music festival in Ukraine. It was pre-independence Ukraine and some very fascinating recollections of that time. As well, our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest and great Ukrainian music and coming up next, Anna Lou and Chavez. They're from Munich and uh, Chavez originally actually was from Peru and they did this tribute to Ukraine. Hey, Sokola, Eagles.
1: Jean. Żal za dziewczyną, za zieloną Ukrainą Żal, żal, serce płaczę, już cię nigdy nie zobaczę Hej, hej, hej hey. hey, sokoły, omijajcie góry, lasy, doły Dzwonń, dzwoń, dzwoń dzwoneczku, mój stepowy spółeczka moja moja mała na zielonej Ukrainie
2: Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shurchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for the past 60 years. Since 1963, the Shochenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing artists and arts groups, museums, cultural centres, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Nasholos listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit www.shochenikofoundation.ca.
3: Батько наш Бандера, Україна мати, ми за Україну будем воювати. Батько наш Бандера, Україна мати, ми за Україну будем воювати. У лісі, лісі, під убом зеленим, там лежить повстанець стяженько. Пришла до нього, рідна мати Його плаче ридає, його, я прийшла до нього, рідна мати Його плаче й ридає, жалує його, мами, ж наші мами, не плачте за нами, не плачте за нами гіркими сльозами, мами ж наші мами. Нами гіркі ми сльозами, Ой, як мати сина свого поховала, на його могилі слова написала, Ой, як мати сина свого поховала
0: And a young Ukrainian singer by the name of Alina Knish and Batko Nash Bandera, a tribute to a famous Ukrainian freedom fighter. Up next, another young Ukrainian singer, Sofia Lishishak, and Namaloi Meni Paint Me the Night.
4: I'll come to you, I'll stop in peace, Only you don't meni Прошу, намалюй Намалюй мені ніч Що зове поче, шепоче Найдивніші слова Найбалгіші слова Пам'ї пар піднеси Славу ти, мої ночі Що навколо зірки розсівав А сам ти який Вечір, день, рано що на серці
0: The Kiev Independent is Ukraine's fastest-growing English-language media outlet, and it just celebrated its second anniversary last November. Alexandra Keeler is the social media strategist for the Kiev Independent, and she joins us now from Kiev to tell us more about this remarkable news outlet and the people who make it so. So, welcome, Alexandra, for joining us.
5: Hi, Bullet. Thanks for having me.
0: So, I recall the news about the founding of the Kiev Independent two years ago. And then just watched with amazement how quickly you developed into this multifaceted media outlet. And I I was kind of prompted to contact you after getting Olga Rudenko's um, newsletter announcing the anniversary. She's the editor-in-chief of Kiev Independent, and she really put out a heartfelt message. So um, can you tell us the story of how the Kiev Independent came
5: to be? Yeah, absolutely. And um, actually, it was the origin story of the Kiev Independent that uh, originally attracted me to the to the team um, Mm. and compelled me to join. It was created in November of 2021, which uh, was just about three months the full scale invasion of Ukraine. Uh, It was very much born out of a fight for freedom of speech. Um, It was co founded by a group of journalists who were fired from the Kiev Post. Uh, when the owner attempted to take the newsroom essentially under control uh, and end its critical cover of Ukrainian authorities and, and bodies, um, owners were trying to kind of stifle the storytelling that the journalists were, were trying to conduct. And when uh, members of the team were fired, they decided that they would launch their own independent uh, newsroom. And they did, uh, without quite knowing exactly you know what they were doing. They just knew that they wanted telling the truth, and they didn't want to be, you know, they wanted to be unfed by any oligarch money, essentially. They ended up joining up with Gilex, which is an international media consultancy, uh, Ukrainian roots, and they offered expertise in in media management shortly after the war began. They began war reporting, which was first for them, and they were reaching an international audience uh, because all eyeballs were on Ukraine at that time. Right. yeah, that's kind of how it how it was founded. Yeah, so why
0: did so many journalists in Ukraine feel that there's a need for an uh, independent English-language newspaper based in Kiev?
5: I think because there was so much, um, you know, as, as Ukraine was reaching for democratic values, there are so many English-speaking nations that embody those democratic values. And um, there's also tons of diaspora spread across across the globe from Ukraine uh who are in the English speaking nations and um i think they saw allyship in 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 places like the united states in places like canada as well as the uk and so reaching those audiences was kind of crucial not only from a you know a political perspective but mm-hmm. because those audiences they have so much of the ukrainian diaspora
0: yeah, and this, you know, this has been a dream of mine for the past, like, 33 years. When I first started Nosholos back in 1990, and doing an English language um, program on Ukrainian topics seemed just very strange to everyone. It was, you know, kind of almost laughed at, like, why would you do that? People in the broadcasting industry didn't understand it, <laughs> like, why yeah. Why wouldn't you be broadcasting to Ukrainian people in Ukrainian? They didn't get that. And the Ukrainians were wondering, well, why are you speaking to us in English? It's always been Ukrainian for, I don't know, since the you know, 1930s, there have been Ukrainian programs in BC. And so this has been a dream of mine. One of the reasons I was doing this is because nobody was talking to people who lost the language, you know, second, third generation, fourth, fifth, sixth generation Ukrainians still wanted to be in touch with their roots, but couldn't... You know, couldn't understand Ukrainian, uh, the Ukrainian programs. And there was nothing, of course, from Ukraine, because prior to 1991, of course, there was the Iron Curtain. But even after 1991, it was Ukraine was just scrambling to develop itself, right? And so there was nothing. And so, I, you know, I thought, well, I mean, I can't do much. One, you know, one person, small operation. And so it is just really wonderful to see it's the reality of a dream coming true. You're doing amazing stuff. You do so many things. You do the war reporting. Now, as you said, it wasn't part of the vision in 2021, right? Um, but you rose to the challenge. You're doing amazing stuff. And I hope we'll be hopefully bringing a lot of those stories, some of them anyways, to our listeners. And uh, you've published investigations. Now, that includes corruption in the military, which maybe <laughs> was why one of the reasons the Kiev Post didn't want to carry on.
5: That's correct. I think, yes, the investigation that um, the team did into the into the International Legion was definitely one of the Keystone investigations that is a great example of what Keith Post probably would not, would not have allowed. Um, it was critical of the Ukrainian military at a time of war, which is quite dangerous, some might, yeah. might say. It was dangerous from... From various angles, one being, you know, being critical of the government at a time of war was uh, contentious, but then also specifically focusing on corruption within the International Legion, you know, the ethical concern was are people going to be deterred from joining the International Legion and are we to be discouraged people from helping Ukraine fight What is the International Legion? So the International Legion is the unit of the Ukrainian military that is designated for foreigners uh, outside of Ukraine to join in the war efforts and the defense efforts of Ukraine. So it's people from Canada, people from the United States, people from Brazil, people from the UK, um, from all over the world who have joined. And it is a separate kind of division of the Ukrainian military.
0: Okay. So that plus the armed forces, I guess, there's corruption there that you're investigating?
5: Yeah. So this, the investigation that they conducted, the, the kind of the keystone one, was into the International Legion. Okay. There have also been investigations into the Ukrainian military as well on a smaller scale, as well as government, um, as well as aid, um, the flows of, of military and humanitarian aid coming into Ukraine. Yeah. There has been a lot of Talk in the
0: West that um, there is no, no more freedom of the press in Ukraine; that it's, everything's controlled by the state. Obviously, that's not the case with Kiev Independent. Uh, if you can be doing stuff like that, so it's great that that you're doing that. And I know that freedom of speech—that was what, as you've been saying, that's what drove, that's the driving force behind your organization.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I would. I would. Firstly, just say that no, it is not true that there is no independent media um, or unbiased media in Ukraine. And I, I would I would argue that Kiev Independent is not the only one, but we are definitely the biggest one and the, the English speaking one. And I think just in terms of the, the values and the mission of, of the Kiev Independent in regards to independent and unbiased reporting, you know, if we want support from the West, um, we have to tell them the truth. Yeah. Um, the West. There has to be transparency. They have to know, you know, what's going on in, in the country that they're, that they're choosing to support and side with in this war. So it's kind of a no-brainer for us yeah. to be very transparent.
0: Sure, sure. Now you've got, how many staff have you got?
5: So our team grew from about 20 to 50 people since the beginning of 2022. So, we're, yeah, we're at about 50 people right now. Okay, that's,
0: that's sizable, but you guys really work hard because it seems like you're putting out, um, uh, you know, the workload of 500 people from what I'm seeing.
5: Yeah, it definitely There's <laughs> a lot of people who have multiple, wearing, are wearing multiple hats. Um, besides our news team, we also have a war crimes division. We have an investigations team. We have a podcast team. We have a video team. <laughs> Lots of different divisions within the team as well.
0: Yeah, you're publishing books as well.
5: That's right,
0: yeah. Yeah. uh, Tell me more about the uh, the team investigating Russian war crimes.
5: I think the team on the war crimes unit, there's about five individuals now, and what they're doing is running longer-term investigations into various Russian war crimes whether it be the, the illegal deportation of Ukrainian children or the torturing of civilian prisoners of war. And what they do is they compile these investigations into documentary form and then we release it on our YouTube channel for free. And we do various screenings throughout Ukraine as well as with partner companies who want to run a screening in their their country. So we've done screenings in Berlin, we've done one in the United States, and we're definitely open to doing more of those screenings to to bring to different audiences.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely need to hear more about that because uh, here in the West, of course, Ukraine has kind of fallen off the radar because of the uh, war in Israel now. And just simply because there are um, certain, I guess certain parties that want it that way so we definitely need more we need to hear more from you and it's great that you are growing so fast and all these different platforms so you're the social media strategist so you're trying to amplify your reach you're not just a newspaper you're not just um, a radio show or um, a youtube channel you've got all kinds of different things that you're doing where are some of the places that you've you've traveled
5: so within ukraine um, mostly the west um, as well as Kiev. My family is from the West, so I've been uh, hopping around there. I also spent a lot of time in Warsaw during the beginning stages of the war, just helping Ukrainian refugees come to Canada, just kind of smoothing that pathway Uh um, through a humanitarian organization. And then most of my uh, personal travels before then has been, you know, more so in the United States um, and around different places in Canada.
0: Now, you are Canadian. You told me this uh, before the mic was rolling, that uh, you're Canadian-born, you're you're third-generation Canadian. How did you end up uh, in Kiev at the Kiev Independent?
5: Well, I think like many of your listeners um, in the diaspora, um, we're connected to people with Ukrainian roots. Um, When the war started, I felt very helpless and very concerned and obsessed with what was going on,
6: mm-hmm.
5: and I think people probably felt similar in 2014 um, during the Euromaidan revolution. But it became, yeah, it became a bit of an obsession and just an endeavor of trying to find out how to be helpful. And after spending some time working with a humanitarian organization, um, as I mentioned, just you know, helping with the refugee flow, um, helping people flee Ukraine in in the war torn parts. Um, I saw this Instagram post about the Kiev Independence origin story, and I just thought, wow, these are the most badass people I've ever heard of. <laughs> you know, getting fired for trying to speak the truth, and then deciding to create an organization around speaking the truth, and I wrote them a love letter, <laughs> and essentially <laughs> just uh, asked them how I could be of service, uh, of service. and um, luckily they had an opening for a social media role, so it was history from there, um, and I've been working with them for uh, just over a year now. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, it's easier to work with the team when we are in close proximity. So being in Kiev is the best way to conduct some of this work, being on the ground.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can certainly speak to how difficult it is being, you know, on Vancouver Island in Canada and kind of not in touch with anybody. So it will be great to to vicariously at least be in touch mm-hmm. through your stories. And the stories that come through are great. And there are all kinds of ways to follow you guys. You've got all the work that you do. You you cover all the different platforms,
5: that's right. Yeah, we're on um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, Reddit, Telegram, LinkedIn, Threads, and Blue Sky. Wow! Wow!
0: How do you- <laughs> and you keep track of them all. That's amazing. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> I have I have trouble with one Facebook page. So, <laughs> mind you, you have a team behind you. So that's that's great, and 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 a lot to lot to say. I imagine they keep you pretty busy.
5: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's definitely never a dull moment.
0: What do uh, non English speakers in Ukraine, um, are you on their radar and, and how do they feel about you?
5: Um, we definitely have a larger audience in the West and amongst English speakers because we're still quite a nascent brand. Um, the Kiev Independent name has only been around for about two years. So I think legacy brands like um, Ukrainsky Pravda as well as Kiev Post, those are more of those household names. Mm-hmm. More recently, over the past year, we've done a lot more work just in networking within Ukraine. Um, And I think our name is getting on the radars of others. We do not have a Ukrainian language branch of our team. However, our war crimes documentaries are also available in Ukrainian language. So our war crimes work and our investigations in that realm uh, are reaching a Ukrainian speaking audience. That's great.
0: So you're basically then crowdfunded. Um, You had said earlier that uh, you don't want to be associated with any oligarchs, which is kiss of death to freedom of speech and independent journalism.
5: That's correct. We are entirely reader funded as well as um, just donations and and folks who, who have come aboard who just want to support um, as well as some, you know, branded content initiatives that we've done. But um, it is mostly our bread and butter is our is our readers.
0: Awesome. And it's very easy. You can just make a one-time donation. You also have like a monthly ongoing. So, you know, five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks a month.
5: Yeah, I, w- I would say, yeah, to keep us financially sustainable, the best form of support is definitely a membership. Mm-hmm. Our, our lowest tier is $5 per month. Um, which gives members access to our our members-only community chat. It's a it's a really lively community of people working together to support Ukraine. It's a really cool community, actually. It also gives people access to biweekly exclusive online events like Q and A's, behind-the-scenes updates, and and some of our recommended readings from our staff. So it's it's a pretty great um, membership level, but it does help us to stay financially sustainable in a more predictable way when we have membership.
6: But
0: we
5: love one-time donations as well. (laughs) Of
0: course. So how can people find you
5: to do that? Yeah, so at Kievindependent.com forward slash membership or even just on our website um, at the top, you'll see see a tab that says become a member and that's kind of the, the best place to do so. But also just reading our work and sharing the stories that resonate, you know, with people's communities is is plenty of support as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll certainly be doing that and hopefully listeners and I will be taking out a membership. I just did make an anniversary donation because of Olga's letter, (laughs) her newsletter that she sent out. Really? Yeah, it really resonated. And all your work resonates, I have to say. And hopefully our listeners will agree soon um, when we start to roll out this news feature that is based on your stories, and that listeners will also make a donation, take out a membership, and share your stories uh, because the world needs to hear more from Ukraine.
5: Thank you so much for saying that, and we really appreciate your support. Okay, well, I want
0: to appreciate your work. Keep it up, it's great. Thank you. Thank you. And up next, from Montreal, a Ukrainian jazz saxophonist by the name of Bogdan Hominuk. With a number from his album Love Letters to the Other Side, it is called On a Little Blue Street of the Past. (laughs) ... You're listening to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm Pavlina.
7: Good day. I'm Vasyl Pavlovsky, and welcome to Cultural Capsule here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. In previous episodes, you have heard me mention how the first Chervunnaruta festival back in September of 1989 demonstrated to me that changes were something that were becoming a constant in Soviet Ukraine. It was in the autumn of 1989 that I became more involved with SUS, the Ukrainian Canadian Students' Union. That provided me with many dividends, including my first visit to still Soviet Ukraine in July of 1990. Our small group of six students left Pearson International Airport on June 30th. Our group landed at Kiev's Borispol Airport on July 1st, Canada Day. I was pleased to know that Studentsky Brasto, student brotherhood of the city of Lviv, sent one of the students I had met in Ottawa the summer before, Demyan Malarczuk. We spent a few days in Kiev, and then we were on a train to Lviv. No more than six hours after we arrived in Lviv, we were on a bus to Kolomyia for a festival called Subor Duhovne Respublike, which could be translated as Cathedral of the Spiritual Republic. This was a humanitarian idea of Ukrainian philosopher and writer Oles Bernek, which took place from July 4th through 7th in 1990, which had an attendance of close to 300,000 people. We were wandering around town with our newfound friends and wanted to have some lunch. At some point, one of my new friends, Oris Vaseciv, says to me, do you know who that is? That's Andriy Mikolajchuk. He sings and Pil Rat. This was one of the songs that he sang at the Cervona Ruta Festival and that I became familiar with because of the cassette I was gifted by Greg Bliznyuk. Nonetheless, Vasiljiv led our small group towards him and asked, Would the two of you like to join us for lunch? With Mikolajchuk, who was a fellow by the name of Alexander Smith. Over the years, we would get to know one another. Though that is a totally different KC episode. In the end of May 1985, Article 176 of the Code of Ukraine on Administrative Offenses was passed on the manufacture, storage of moonshine, and devices for its production was put into effect. This may have been the stimulus to write a song about Pipilnik Kindrat by Mikhail Eichuk. Mikhail Eichuk often starts his songs with a spoken preface. This is how he opens a song mentioned by Vaseljiv. To those who in difficult stormy years never ceased to fight, who brewed moonshine in secret and poured it for good people. Now, from that cassette gifted me back in December of 89, I bring you Andrei Mikolaitchuk with a totally different song, than mentioned by Vasiljiv. It's called Piduftopiusia, which means I will go drown myself. It's a song of unrequited love. This is Mikulaychuk's preface to the song. You, my dear, have fallen out of love with me, forever I will love you, as the time has come to bid farewell. I will go to the river and drown. He claims that he wrote it while teaching, and admitted with all those children around, he found it quite difficult to write something serious.
8: За все заглядає сонце у вікна, осель, там люди щасливі, та сумно мені, мабуть, утоплюся, Спочину на дні, піду утоплюся у річці глибокій, шукати стануть, не скоро знайдуть, ти будеш плакати, спливати ймуть Мене до смерті не зможе забути, піду топлюся. Друзі, прощай You do
7: A little about our featured artist. When Mikolaj Truk became a laureate at the first Czerwona Ruta Festival in 1989, little knew of him. Born in Uman on December 6, 1959, his parents were educators and physicists. He studied at the Uman Music School and Music Pedagogical Institute. At the time, that he had submitted to perform at the Chervonoruta festival, he was working as a music teacher at a kindergarten and did so for eight years. Though apparently, his true calling was performing at weddings, composing many of his own Ukrainian language materials. Mikolaychuk told the Ukrainian music site the story of how he started his music career. My grandfather wanted to buy some roofing shingles, but my grandmother said to him, it's better you purchase a piano for the child. I, at the age of three, went up to the piano and started playing it. I began to play everything that I heard. It was only in 1996, seven years after his performance at the first Cervo Ruta Festival, that he ever released an album. I recall with great fondness of having met him and Oleksandr Smek in person. With the local restaurant musicians, he performed a few songs, though not barefooted, which seems to have become his trademark, though he was wearing a t-shirt from the first Cervo Naruta Festival. In one of my planned cultural capsules, I will look at a songstress who I got to know while living in Kiev, who, like others, turned to the poetry of Ukrainian writers for inspiration. Until then, do See you soon.
0: From Ukraine, Kiev Orchestrio with Madalena. Up next, Olena Skorokhod with the news from Ukraine. And now the latest news from Ukraine, courtesy the Kiev Independent, Ukraine's largest and fastest-growing English-language news organization. Here's Olena Skorokhod with the latest stories.
9: Russia launched an attack against the southern city of Kherson around noon on February 5th killing at least four residents and injuring one. Two men aged 45 and 50 were killed while sitting in a car, said Roman Brachko, the head of the Kherson military administration. Also killed were a woman and a 60-year-old man. One injured resident has been hospitalized. Elsewhere in Sumy, Russian forces launched at least 51 separate attacks throughout the day, firing at 10 communities along the border on February fifth, injuring eight civilians, and killing one. In the Kupians district in Kharkiv Oblast injuring a 71-year-old woman and damaged several residential buildings. Earlier this week, Russian forces destroyed a three-story hotel in the Bohodukhiv region of Kharkiv Oblast during the early hours of February 6. Local officials report that one civilian was trapped under the rubble. Several hours later, Kharkiv Oblast governor, Oleksiy Hubov announced over Telegram that the attack on the hotel killed a two-month-old boy. Three women were also reportedly wounded. Additionally, seven private homes, 19 private businesses, two administrative buildings, and at least five civilian cars were also reportedly damaged. Since Ukrainian forces liberated Kherson and other regional settlements on the western bank of Dnipro River in November 2022, Russia continues to heavily strike the area, regularly inflicting civilian casualties. The Russian military has also regularly targeted Kharkiv and settlements in the Oblast. Over the past few weeks, the number of attacks on the city has increased. Ukraine's Special operation Forces conducted an operation on a Russian-occupied drilling platform off the coast of Crimea, the Defense Ministry reported on February 6. Ukraine frequently claims responsibility for attacks on Russian military assets occupying Crimea and around its coast. Russian forces used the drilling platform to control part of the Black Sea and adjust fire toward the south of Ukraine, according to a video the Special Operations Forces posted online. The video showed a group of Special Operations Forces landing on a platform and searching for equipment, including radar and a drone signal-enhancing system. After taking the equipment, the group installed mines on a platform and retreated. The antenna mast of the platform was blown up. Air Force's spokesperson Yuri Ignat said on February 1st that Ukraine has certain tools and its disposal that means it can strike Russian military targets occupying Crimea methodologically and regularly. Meanwhile, Ukraine's High Anti-Corruption Court, HACC, nationalized Ukrainian assets valued at half a billion hryvnias belonging to sanctioned Russian oligarch Eduard Hudaynatov. The Security Service of Ukraine announced that 100% of his share in the authorized capital of LLC Alliance Ukraine Oil Company, estimated at almost half a billion hryvnias, was recovered as revenue to Ukraine. Hudaynatov reportedly controlled the oil trader through several offshore companies to avoid nationalization following the full-scale invasion. Over the last two years, the oligarch continued to earn significant profits from the oil and gas market in Ukraine. The SBU investigation claimed that Hudaynatov is not only one of Putin's confidants, but also head of the Russian oil and gas company NNK Group and was a member of Rosneft's board of directors, two of the biggest sponsors of Russia's war in Ukraine. They regularly supply fuel and lubricants for Russia's occupation groups and military-industrial complex. Taken together, these companies provide billions of rubles in revenue each month to the Russian Federation. Ukraine's High Anti-Corruption Court has prosecuted a number of high-profile cases, including the confiscation of assets of collaborator Volodymyr Saldo, a Ukrainian politician who defected to Russia and was placed in charge of the occupied part of southern Kherson Oblast. Over the last three years, Ukraine has increased efforts to address political and economic corruption, particularly among Ukrainian officials, with ties to the Russian Federation. Tackling corruption is one of the main conditions for Ukraine's integration into the EU. The Kremlin is intensifying efforts to normalize Western discussions of a hypothetical partition of Ukraine, the Institute for the Study of War, ISW, reported in their daily assessment. ISW assessed that Russian propagandists are reigniting narratives that portray Ukraine as an artificially constructed state. Officials are proposing that Russia and European powers partition Ukraine and leave it as a sovereign rap state. Comments which were reportedly picked up by right-wing politicians in Central Europe. By reducing Ukraine's political legitimacy, Russia hopes to reduce Western military support and normalize Western discussions of Ukraine ceding territory to Russia as a legitimate way to end the war. Kyiv said categorically that a full Russian withdrawal is conditioned for any talks. Ceding territory to Russia also violates both President Volodymyr Zelensky's peace formula and the wishes of the vast majority of Ukrainians. A Ukrainian Supreme Court official has been declared suspected of supporting Russia's invasion. The Security Service of Ukraine, the SBU, reported on February 5. The man was unnamed, but described by the SBU as the head of one of the structural divisions of the Supreme Court of Ukraine. The SBU said that evidence includes recorded conversations in which the man said Ukraine should hand over the regions of Odessa and Kherson to Russia, and hoped for a renewed Russian attempt to occupy Ukrainian territories, including Lviv, according to the SBU. Law enforcement searched residents and found evidence of his support for the Russian invasion of Ukraine on mobile phones and computers. The search also revealed almost 300 small arms cartridges, pro-Kremlin literature, and equipment for illegal surveillance. The man has been informed that he is suspected of the crime of justifying, recognizing as legitimate or denying Russian armed aggression against Ukraine, or glorifying its participants committed by an official. The SBU said the investigation is ongoing and the suspect could face up to eight years of imprisonment. Kirill Budanov, the chief of Ukraine's military intelligence HUR, hopes that Canada will hand over to Ukraine tens of thousands of rockets that are awaiting demolition. More than 83,000 CRV-7 ground attack rockets are warehoused at Canadian Forces Ammunition Depot Dundurn, south of Saskatoon. Canada no longer has any use for them and has selected a private contractor to demolish the rockets. Speaking with the global news outlet, Budano said donating the rockets will help Ukraine fend off Russian forces and save Canadian taxpayers the cost of destroying them. The CRV-7s would be deployed in Ukrainian attack helicopters and ground launchers to target Russian tanks and artillery, according to the intelligence chief. Ukraine has engaged in discussions with Canada on this matter, but is still awaiting a decision. Canada's opposition Conservative Party has asked the government to send decommissioned rockets to Ukraine instead of destroying them. Canada's Department of National Defence has confirmed that the donation is under consideration. Canadian officials mentioned that they were examining the request but raised concerns about the age of the CRV-7s, suggesting they could have become unstable over the decades, posing risks during handling and transportation. Experts who talked to the Global News pointed out that rocket propellant has a finite lifespan and may become unstable after many years. However, given that CRV-7s use solid fuel, they might still be considered safe, if stored correctly, and not exposed to moisture and contamination. The Canadian government has committed more than $1.7 billion in military assistance to Ukraine since Russia's full-scale invasion on February 24th, 2022 which includes missiles as well as ammunition for small arms artillery and battle tanks i am olena skorohod in vancouver reporting for Nash national's ukrainian roots radio
0: and that's the news from ukraine for today coming to you courtesy the kiev independent ukraine's largest and fastest growing english language news organization For more up-to-date news stories as they happen, visit their website kfindependent.com and make sure to follow them on social media. To allow this independent Ukrainian news team to continue delivering you news from on the ground in Ukraine, please consider becoming a member at kfindependent.com.
10: We fight for life with soldiers In the freedom land for the loved ones we Fight to the end with soldiers You can't take our souls Me and my people we fight for our People we fight for our own Some people are gone but they went with pride Defending our homes and protecting lives Through the smoke and dust we always charge ahead With weapons in hand Yeah we battle for peace, for a future bright. In the hottest day we fight for life Our scars are deep but our spirits soar Still stand tall I'm a soldier No time to sleep On the front line Protecting families I'm a soldier No tears to cry Me and my people We fight for life We're soldiers In a freedom land For the loved ones We fight to the end We're soldiers We can't take our souls Me and my people we fight for our home. And my people we fight for, our home. And my people, we fight for our home.
0: And a new release by popular Ukrainian artist Max Barskich, who will be coming to Canada very soon, and he will be here in Vancouver. Elena will bring you the details. Here's what's coming up this week in Vancouver's
9: Ukrainian community. This February, Vancouver hosts the Ukrainian film series. Witnessing Change, Ukrainian cinema in a time of turmoil, is being held from February 1st till February 22nd at the Cinematheque. This film event is organized by Maple Hope Foundation. Witnessing Change provides an overview of the evolution of Ukrainian cinema from its earliest incarnations, Two recent works of note. The screenings are happening at the Cinematheque at 1131 Hope Street till February 22nd. You can find more details at thesinematheque.ca. General admission is $14. On Sunday, February 11th at 2 p.m., come and see Ukrainian Lights Her Winding Path. Organized by Pickle Underground at Concert Hall at Tom Lee Richmond Music Experience Center in Richmond. Ukrainian Lights is a festival of classical music showcasing a mix of beloved classics and contemporary gems of Ukrainian and international composers. It is a fundraising event for emergency medical kits for Ukrainian defenders. You can find the tickets on eventbrite.ca, and they are $33. Come to Tom Lee Richmond Music Experience Center on Sunday, February 11, at 2 p.m. to enjoy music by Ukrainian musicians. Max Varsky, popular Ukrainian singer, comes to North America with his tour bestseller. The program will include the artist's golden hit, Songs of Resilience, written since the beginning of the full-scale invasion. We, the artists of Ukraine, must do everything so that Ukraine resonates in all corners of the world, so that the history of our resistance, our people, inspires other countries. It's not about the state of the victim, but about confidence in victory and pride in who we are, the singer commands. The purpose of the tour is fundraising. From each purchase ticket, part of the funds goes to the targeted needs of the Ukrainian army. Come to the Vogue Theatre on Wednesday, February 14th. Doors open at 7 p.m. The concert begins at 8 p.m.
0: Thank you to Elena Skorokhod, our Vancouver correspondent, for compiling that list of upcoming local events. On Wednesdays, tune in to the Nanaimo edition of Nash Holos, which can be heard in the Vancouver Listening Area, at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on CHLY 101.7 FM on the radio dial and streaming online at chly.ca. And at 6 p.m. Saturday evenings, flip your radio dial right back here to AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver or catch the live stream at AM1320.com for another hour of Nosh Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Please send us your suggestions, dedications, and requests. Your comments are always welcome. In between broadcasts, visit our Facebook page and for audio archives, transcripts, and a link to our podcast feed, visit our website at www.noshholos.com. Na hodo radio programu Nash kholos radio Nasho hokorinya na bhatomni radio stantsiyi AM 13720 CHMB u mistsi Vancouveri. Ne shamyvshkych chylanashu programu v shchasu domu vyskazaty do pobachennya. Ala peretym, sima mudroste. Trudno tomu poradyty, kto sam subine khoche raditě. And our proverb of the week translates as it is difficult to advise someone who does not want to advise himself. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Nosh Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. In between broadcasts, please stay in touch with us via our Facebook page and for transcripts, audio archives, and a link to our podcast, visit www.noshholos.com. You can also find Nosh Holos on your favorite podcast app. And that's it for our show, so we'll wrap it up with the Playboy Band from Edmonton and Rogers Polka. I'm Pavlina. On behalf of Olena, myself, and all of us here at Nosh Holos in AM 1320, thanks for listening and Dobranich! <music>